Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of ABG Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern day Asian American women. My name is Helen. I'm Janet. And I'm Mel. episode is dedicated to our listeners. These past six or so weeks, we've mm-hmm. been collecting a lot of feedback, questions, and comments from people. And I'm kind of surprised. There are some people from like New Zealand. Zealand. Yeah, <laughs> okay, I guess that's listening. the only place because we both said <laughs> New Zealand. <laughs> but like people from the Midwest and a bunch of different places that are outside of LA. So we're um, happily surprised by that and glad that we're able to connect with a lot of people beyond our expectations yes. mm-hmm. of who we thought we would be connecting with. So thank you. We read every single message and might not have time to respond back, but we're going to take this episode to do that now. And we actually just put out a story on our Instagram. If you don't follow us yet, please do, at Asian Boss Girl. And we wanted to know if there's any random questions that you have. We've gotten some serious ones, but what about some, like, let's kick it off with, like, a fun one. All right, so I pulled up Instagram. We got Clarissa May and Camille Carpe Dam. Carpe Dam. That's her idea. Damn. <laughs> Damn, Camille. <laughs> they asked us, how'd y'all meet? How did Who we meet? To start? <laughs> uh, okay, well. Oh, no. I guess I'll start. I met Helen first. Um, I met Helen when I was still interning at Wong Fu Productions at an event after work. And I kind of knew you just sort of as, oh, this is a friend of a friend, right? Mm -hmm. I wasn't really close with her. But I knew through like different interactions of going out. I'm like, man, this girl, she's on my level. But I haven't really connected with her. She would pass the Vegas test. She would totally pass the test. But I was too shy to ask her out as a friend. (laughs) To be honest. I know. And it was really random. So... I remember one time, I was in this phase of my life where, where I was thinking, I need to like branch out and make new friends. Who can I reach out to that I really haven't talked to and I think I'll connect with? And I texted Helen randomly. I was like, hey, it's Mel. Like, what are you doing tonight? It's Saturday. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Okay. And Aww. so that night, actually, she's like, I'm actually going to downtown to this bar. You want to come out? And that night actually was the night I met my fuck boy. <laughs> So it's uh, funny how that all came about, right? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. And to this day, even though me and Helen are good friends now, on her phone, my name is Mel Wong Fu Intern. Yeah. <laughs> like, can I graduate from that name now? It's been nope, a while. It's stuck. It doesn't change. <laughs> Sucks. But for Janet, actually, I was like talking. I was like, how did I meet you? I, I totally forgot. After I worked for Wong Fu, I started freelance producing. Yeah. And I was on a video shoot. And Janet came on to be, I guess, like a extra. It was like a mutual friends yeah. music video. Oh, um, for Dan. For David. For David. Oh, yeah. For, oh. David. You were there too, actually. Was, Wait, all of us Shout out to David Choi. Thanks, David, <laughs> for bringing us together. For bringing us together. Dude, Helen, you were there too, actually. We were doing a collaboration with Sony and there was a shoot in downtown LA and this like it's like a dinner kind of music video shoot thing I had to pull out the video for you but <laughs> I that's where I met Janet for the first time uh, my other producer who was also our mutual friend who was also a producer on this podcast was yeah. like oh this is Janet blah 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 and she was really sweet and actually on that shoot one of our crew members was trying to hit on Janet and so I was trying to get information from her I want like names right now <laughs> I can't put him on blast. Okay, okay, fine. He was trying to holler, and that's how I met Janet. And were you like, I want her number too? <laughs> like, I want to ask her out too? I think I was probably like hitting on her for him. So that's <laughs> how I met Janet. And then also like, I mean, we go to annual Vegas trips, so I like, guess obviously yeah, yeah. with Janet, that just kind of, mm, you know. Got to, yeah. I But I do remember meeting Mel for the first time, and you were so sweet and so bubbly and just very like, because I didn't know very many people mm. uh, there. I knew like David and then our friend Eric. Yeah, and you were just so like welcoming and friendly and positive. Um, and I had a very similar impression with Helen 
Helen, actually. So I know Helen oh. through, I went to college with her boo. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and so I'm, the first time I met you, I think we were going out for a mutual friend's birthday clubbing in LA. Of course. And That's you were I met yeah. both of you guys? <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> a common theme there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you were also just so nice with, and just like big smile on your face and Ooh. people that you don't know, but you were just like hugging and saying like, welcome, come party with us. So that's that was my memory of... Well, you guys already told me my memories yeah. on YouTube, so... <laughs> you know, one thing I have to say, though, like, I think one reason all three of us just gradually clicked is we, all three of us, on the same wavelength when we go out. Yeah. Actually, how we started this podcast was after going out one night. Not saying that that's all we do, <laughs> but... <laughs> we work. I think it was, yeah, it was a Friday night. Mm-hmm. We went out drinking. We came back, and we were talking and talking, and we were like, uh, maybe we should just we do this. Yeah, this podcast. podcast, like, put our conversations on blast on a, on a podcast and have other people listen in. Yep. And that's why we're here now. So that's how we all met. And um, now we're here. Now we're here. Second question. <laughs> all right. So our next question is from Kim. She goes, workout details. Helen, how do I look so hot like you? Oh, my God. <laughs> Tell us your workout secrets, Helen. Yeah. Um, well, I've always been pretty athletic, I would say, since, like, high school. I did mm-hmm. three sports. So I did crew, basketball, track, four, and volleyball. Damn. All different times. But volleyball is the one that I really stuck with. And now I run on occasion. But I'm trying to... So shout out to my one pull-up account. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But I'm trying to get to a pull-up because I can't. Um, And it it feels very pathetic for myself. But I want to get there. So I've been focusing a lot more on weights. And what I realized from that is that weights actually slim you down a lot. So I know a lot of girls are like worried that if you do a lot of weightlifting, like you'll you'll get get really bulky and big. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, that's actually the opposite where I'm getting more leaned out and just like the muscles are showing more, but then the fat's going away faster. Oh, So that's actually been working working out for me. So you you do more weight training? So more weights, yeah. Like what is the routine that you use for lifting weights? So I do a lot of back because for pull-ups, you do need back muscles. Mm. So I focus a lot on that and also bicep. I use the um, the pull-down mm. machine a lot mm. and just free weights. Well, okay. I'm not going to lie. I stalk Helen too. You have washboard abs. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Can I bring my laundry over later? <laughs> no, that's definitely like very not like all the time. Okay. Trust me. Sometimes I look in the mirror. I'm like, oh. belly. Wait, lift up your shirt. Lift up your shirt. Let me see. What? No, I'm not going to lift up your shirt. But you do a lot of ab workouts though. That's um, what I'm saying. Yes. I do do a lot of Cassie Ho's Blagalotti's, mm-hmm. her ab workouts. They're really, really good. And she's also an Asian boss female out there Asian boss doing girl. her mm-hmm. thing. Um, she also has a podcast called Sheroic. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I do a lot of her ab workouts. And then I also did um, BBG workouts, um, which I know, Janet, you did that. I for tried a while, for a little right? bit too, but I'm not, I'm not much of a high intensity workout person. So I kind of just went back to running. But yeah, she had some really good ab routines. Nice. I, I was looking into BBG. How, I just took notes about it. You, tr- <laughs> <laughs> you, you just watched. Yet. You just watched her do the movement. I was like, I saw <laughs> it. So I was like, mm. no, yeah, for next workout, time. Yeah. Mental workout. Mental workout. <laughs> I'm exhausted now. But Janet also does a lot of working out too. Uh, mostly running. I, I feel like, I mean, I wanted to check out Pilates and stuff, but mm. I just haven't really ventured yet. But I, I need to start changing up my routine because I'm getting bored. Oh, okay. um, so that's another tip for people, I think, that like mix it up a bit. Like Helen was saying, you play volleyball, you do weights, you uh, do some of the programs like Blogilates or BBG. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the key is just keeping it interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's go take a class, guys. Oh, yeah. Didn't Janet want us to take a hip-hop dance class? There, yeah. LA has a couple of hip or like dance 
slash workout classes, those are pretty fun. So maybe we should look into that. I'm down. Yeah. Box, <laughs> boxing classes? I don't know. I'm down that. for boxing. Boxing's fun. All right. You get a really good We're going to do yeah. it and Instagram stories. Can we do a K pop like uh, workout routine? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to our next question, I definitely want to direct this question to Janet. It's from Christine Marzon. I hope I'm saying that right. She says, what are your thoughts about an age gap between people dating? So if you do <laughs> date, you know, like 40-year-old men, I feel like hey, this question... I'm actually... I'm 32, so if that's, someone is near 40, that's not that big of an age gap. How about like a 60-year-old man? It's, no, that's a little too far from that's, me. That's grandpa. Um, that's hairy gap? ears and hairy buttholes. <laughs> Ew, no, we're, that's not. not no. She's over-grooming. <laughs> She's over that. But in seriousness, I think in terms of age gap when it comes to dating, I think it depends more on the actual age. So if you're like 20 or like 18, 19 and you're dating someone who's like in their 30s, just because of where you are in life is really different. I think it's more challenging. Mm-hmm. But if you're, say, like 30 and 38, it might be easier to relate to each other's lives. In the end, I think it's like, it's a person by person case. It's mm-hmm. also easier to share similar like humor and similar maybe like like generational things when you're around the same age. But if you connect with someone and you guys are a different age, like I think it's totally fine. I don't that know. That makes sense. But I also kind of like, I have a, a lot of friends that have married like people that are much older than them. I think because I'm around that, like I've, I've, I haven't seen any bad cases. Mm. <laughs> Do you guys have any perspective on... Um, I, I I agree. I think it depends on where you are in life. I think as you get older, the age gap doesn't seem as apparent mm-hmm. versus like, I'm 21, I'm dating a 35-year-old. Right. Right. That's like, whoa, dude. Yeah. Because I feel like goals are more aligned when you're past the 30 age. Yes, I agree. Right? Like yeah. before then, you just graduate from college and everyone's trying to figure out what they're, what they're going to do for the next 10 years or so. And so everyone's like at a different stage at that point. But then after 30 is when everyone's more aligned in terms yeah. of like... No, that's true. I, I think I think from like either an older sibling or like a parent perspective, if someone is in their early 20s and they have so much life to live to develop, mm-hmm. um, you could be afraid that if their partner is much older that they're kind of just gonna like fold into that person and maybe not do the development that they need to so important yeah Yeah. but I mean I also think it's like different from person to person I've like my younger cousin is in her 20s but I feel like she's very mature so and she just married someone who's like 35 36 oh really so mm -hmm. nice okay so one person named Tina this kind of relates to our question Tina asks Janet where do you find these older men they're not that old. I think she, I'm Tina. Old. I, you know what, Tina? I actually think she goes to the senior center. Oh, ew! And she volunteers her time. <laughs> and she walks that's in. That's what you're doing tomorrow. No. <laughs> that's when you can't come out tonight, huh? <laughs> no, I mean no. But seriously, like I'm not that young. I'm like in my Please. almost mid 30s now. So if I'm meeting someone who's like late 30s, early 40s, it's just through. It's sometimes it's through like friends. Um, but I also use like dating apps and stuff. So question. Yeah. How old do you set your age requirement for on the dating app? Like what's the oh, oldest my max go? age? Yeah. Uh, 40, 70. Oh, sorry. 42. <laughs> 42. That's I'm very specific. specific. Wait, that's, that's 10 years older. 10 years older. Than you do 10 oh, years yeah. older. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would probably do that too. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And I set the minimum at your Cougar Mel negative two. <laughs> <laughs> Negative 10. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Dude, that's 60. Ew! No. <laughs> not, just kidding. I'm not. No, no, no. Yeah. Wait, so that, no, that's a, good, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah, I set it at 42. So what's your minimum then? Uh, I set it at my age, 32. So you won't go younger? 
Uh, I did. So I did actually, I was like, I'm going to be open-minded and open it up to like 30. But then I noticed that as I'm swiping, I still like, I'm biased and I will, I will oh. likely not like, yeah, match with someone who's younger than me. But like you were just saying, after 30, usually people are more aligned and the age difference they, doesn't really yeah, matter as much. That's true. But I still think, I do also think that generally women mature a little bit more quickly than mm-hmm. men. I'm not saying that that's completely true for every case, but generally. And when I've met guys who are in their early 30s, I feel like it's still, I don't know. I still mm. I I would like someone who's in their older thirties. Okay, sorry or boys, <laughs> sorry dudes. Don't Hi. DM us or <laughs> Janet, <laughs> unless you're forty. <laughs> All right, so let's should we move on to our next question? All right, so T not um, I like your blue hair and your choker. <laughs> cool. Um, so question for Mel: Do you ever feel FOMO when you decline activities with your friends? When I decline them, I'm worried I won't be asked out again. Ooh, that's a very good question. Oh, man. I definitely feel a little bit of FOMO, to be honest. But I think it just depends on where you, like, how you feel physically. I think I mentioned in episode nine for work-life balance, Mm -hmm. if I'm really tired, like, I'm going to be miserable if I go out. And I need that time to myself to be like, you know what? I'm going to decline. I think just if you're afraid of people not inviting you out, I think balancing, like, maybe going out one week and not going out the other week or just go out one day of the week. That way they could see your face and and Mm -hmm. your friends know that you know they still matter to you. Yeah. Finding that balance. I feel like you get dropped, quote unquote, mm-hmm. if you don't show up consistently. No, exactly. So if you find time with them to either grab coffee or dinner or lunch, you're still in their lives. And yeah. that's when they don't forget about you. Yeah. Right. Also, another thing that I noticed that really helps me is just keeping communication open. Like, just because I'm not going out this weekend doesn't mean I could still text you and maintain that relationship mm-hmm. with you. I know with us, we have a group text that we always talk about. We always talk in every day. Right. So even though I don't see you guys every day, we talk every day and that makes us okay. Yeah, I think definitely. And checking in with people through phone calls too. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can't, it takes less time, but it shows them that you still care and that you guys are still keeping updated with each other. So those were all from our Instagram stories from the past like hour or so. And we have a lot of questions submitted through our website as well as direct email. Some of them from our website, we are going to combine these into sort of two overall topics where it's about work and then expectations on being Asian in America. Um, but starting off with work environments, so shout out to Samantha Chung, yes, one Samantha. of my Boston home friends. Nice. <laughs> so Samantha says, I know you probably will cover working with all men, but how about working with all women? Personally, I feel like sometimes there's way too much drama and petty fights and I am not able to move up or grow in that environment. However, it's also amazing to see women in higher exec positions. Hmm. What do you guys think? Do you guys work with a lot of women? I think Mel can speak to this pretty well, right? You work in fashion tech. Mm -hmm. I definitely work with a lot of different women in my company. Um, they're not all not all women are like this at where I work. I think people assume that if there's a lot of women, all women are petty. That's not the case. Um, I do have some people here and there that I interact with that I do encounter some pettiness sometimes. Um, but whenever I encounter these type of situations, I think my mentality is just to end it right then. You know, you are this is a professional setting. I'm going to go about things in a professional way. It it is natural or it is easy to, for you to just kind of give into pettiness and kind of be triggered by it or. Uh, perpetuate perpetuate pettiness and i feel like it's it's an ongoing cycle versus if you end it now i could cut it off as when i can Mm -hmm. so being the bigger person and seeing it for what it is when Mm -hmm. it when it does come to you exactly and i think even with work i notice is if you put in the work and you do a good job like doing you and good work and being a good person 
your higher ups will see it. You don't need to act a certain way mm-hmm. or be yeah. petty because I think that behavior is also noticed mm-hmm. in but a do work you think, environment. Do you think the quote unquote pettiness happens because you uh, feel comfortable with each other to talk about personal things? Yes and no. Like to I, your point about keeping things professional is yeah. kind of a, a nice way to to have those boundaries. Yes, I mm. I think so. Interesting. That's actually so for my field of work, it's super professional yeah. um we aren't like that close yeah. between me and the other women and there aren't a lot of women in my um, team either mm-hmm. but for the women that are there i do actually see them as more like strong figures like most of them have children mm-hmm. um, and i see them sort of paving the way for other women in the group by saying like i need to have certain hours and i can't be on certain calls at certain times and i i guess in the past like five years or so i've just seen this like wave of women kind of get promoted and yeah. get into higher level positions and because they are sort of taking that initiative to be like, I need this, I'm like, oh, you're paving the way for other women in the group. So I don't see a lot of that pettiness because, to Janice's point, there is a lot of mm-hmm. professionalism that is maintained within within my team. So it's like a weird balance between mm-hmm. like friendship and it, especially when it comes to like non-financial mm-hmm. industries. Yeah. I'm very curious about like how that actually works. Like people who yeah. drink beer at work and like <laughs> yeah. do all this fun yeah. stuff. I don't get any of that. <laughs> It's hard because I like um, even for my work um, where I see pettiness or unprofessionalism cross is when like you're critiquing like something and then sometimes like you could get butthurt over a critique because mm-hmm. like you know oh I thought mm-hmm. we were friends why did you say it why did you why did you say that yeah. and I think that's where lines get blurred mm-hmm. and that's when problems arise right 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 but I think just keep in mind like this is a professional setting and if you tell me hey I didn't like this because A B and C versus like yeah. that sucks mm-hmm. there's a way to go about communicating things mm-hmm. to make sure everything mm-hmm. is professional right right i guess f- for me there was one person in boston who was like a senior manager super like petty and mean aggressive she's like the queen bee the original mm-hmm. definition of queen bee by putting other women mm-hmm. down in order to to empower herself but i also kind of caught myself in thinking like oh is she a queen bee or is she just a strong kind of like a strong like a man could have had that position too and you just yeah. see him as like a powerful asshole right, versus like right. a petty female trying to take down other women mm-hmm. right but it's like the same qualities that they're both exuding so it's like kind of a weird balance to say is it really pettiness or is it just how society makes us see women I also think it might be, from my personal experience, I see more of a personality thing than a gender thing because, mm, um, like, your examples of someone who might be petty, I ha- like, I know male coworkers are a little bit more gossipy than female coworkers. <laughs> oh, yes. yeah, if, if they're just that personality, they like to know what's happening and yep. they get more personal and they, like, will chit-chat on the side. In terms of working with all women, I work in tech and my design team and our specific specialization in design, we were actually, it was, like, three girls. And I felt like we were really, like, probably all of the opposite of the stereotypes um and maybe it was just the personality types or i'm not sure what it is that made it work but we were just very communicative and open and supportive Mm -hmm. um and i think also because our environment was not competitive it was very Mm -hmm. like flat even though some like one of the uh the women was like 10 years more experienced or something uh it was just she never treated it like she had extra power and it was always more about like trying to engage us and, and supporting and helping us. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure. So what, I guess yeah. that's our different experiences with yeah. having women um, mm-hmm. in, in different industries. So, yeah, I mean, I guess as you can see that we're, you know, this topic is pretty large and we'll probably we can come back to it at a later time. But this is our just kind of quick two cents. Mm-hmm. Quick. Or long, <laughs> long, middle, longish. It's a quick quarter. <laughs> yeah. Sam also had asked, what about for pushing for promotions or a job raise? Do we have any tips or experiences on that? 
I just realized, um, so me and my manager, she does a good job of asking me, what is your goal for mm-hmm. like our next round of promotions? So if I tell her, like, what do I need to do to get promoted? And she's mm-hmm. very open with me. Mm-hmm. Then we already have that goal like lined out and right. written up, and I can work towards that. Versus, it's ambiguous. Right. So being really exactly. open with your manager really helps me. And I think that's actually how companies are. They they realize that you need to set a clear path for yeah. whoever to like. Here's your path for promotion. These are your goals for this year. And, and that's the same with my company. Like we sit mm-hmm. down with our counselors who are also there to help us along the way. Like if you want to be promoted to manager, you have to hit certain sales targets or mm-hmm. certain projects, get experience, client mm-hmm. interaction, all of that. And so knowing what is coming up, I think that already helps with getting promoted. Like mm-hmm. knowing that it's kind of in the bag if I checked off these boxes. Exactly. Yeah, I would say um, a lot of companies nowadays, they do provide the structure. So you have like annual reviews or biannual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Mel, to your point, being very specific about what is what do I need to do to get promoted? And then if you work towards those things, it doesn't really give the other person very much reason to not promote you. Right. I would say for job raises, you know, in addition to having kind of what are the typical salaries and the typical like years of experience, it's really helpful to have people who advocate for you. And that means like doing well on a project and having one person who really understands uh, the value that you bring and so that they can push and support the promotion or push and support the job raise. Um, In terms of being able to defend like what your salary should be, especially if you're like changing jobs, when I like switched industries and switched functions, it was challenging because I was I was a new person in that industry but I had a lot of previous work experience in other industries so it was being able to have like specific examples of things I've done in the past from previous jobs and what that pay is and then being able to translate so like Helen was saying like being your own biggest advocate doing your research and mm-hmm. knowing as long as you can defend usually companies have a hard time um saying no yeah that's a good that's good advice Janet so a lot of our listeners have commented about feeling lonely or different a lot of um identity crisis topics Mm -hmm. so if you think about asians in america most of us are first second generation asian americans for us three Mm -hmm. our parents had come from asia so a lot of people are going through you know are are we asian are we american it's a very hyphenated world and so trying to figure all that out we realize a lot of our, our listeners have questions on this around that topic yeah so nina sue she asks do you think there is a correct way to be asian american are there standards that have to be met to be considered both Asian and American? I mean, I think this is a really good question. And for me personally, the perspectives that I think is important to bring that I can offer is I grew up in, or I guess we all kind of grew up in like neighborhoods that had non-Asian cultural backgrounds, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, it was a more Caucasian heavy. And I always felt like I was maybe different. But then when I went to college and I was around a lot of Asian Americans, I felt like I wasn't Asian enough. So to your question about like what is Asian enough and what is American enough, I, I definitely feel that same like struggle of trying to figure out that balance or what the levels are. And I think the answer is there isn't really a correct way. It's whatever way is comfortable for you and is um, where you can feel like you have a sense of community with the, the people around you. I don't know. What do you what do you ladies think? For me, I grew up in a very large metropolis city. I grew up in Boston, so there's definitely more diversity there than, say, in the Midwest. So I would say that I was lucky to have people around me that were also Asian that I could identify with. But I think the struggle of growing up in America is that you're in a world where media that gets pushes onto you, there's not a lot of Asian faces there, Mm -hmm. right? So you don't see a lot of representation Mm -hmm. at that level. So you you can connect with your friends, but in terms of like overall like white America, that support's not really there. That's kind of my upbringing or my, my childhood is what I can recall. 
I don't think there's a correct way to be Asian American. It's what you're comfortable with. But I do have to say, I did notice in college that um, a lot of friends are international students, but they went yeah. to an international school in, mm-hmm. say, Taiwan. But coming, so in Taiwan, they felt more Asian American, right? But coming mm-hmm. here, they're defined as too Asian. Right. So there's yep. always this constant struggle, right? Yeah. So I feel like there's really no clear definition of what is correct. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't think there is. And like I was saying, that there's no like there's not a lot of examples for us to say what is correct and mm-hmm. who has led the best Asian American life out there. Yeah, that's true. I think I mean I guess that the one takeaway is that the fact that we're asked or that people ask this, these questions to themselves is that it's a very shared experience. That most people they question, Am I being Asian enough? Am I being American enough? So mm-hmm. know that other people think that it's like a really prevalent thing. So, you know, there isn't really a correct way, it's just whatever whatever you feel. I remember when I was a freshman in college, me and my roommate, my best friend, we were like, we're not going to join any Asian clubs. We're going to only hang out with white people. Oh, really? <laughs> I remember saying that because we didn't want to be like stereotyped right, as right. like, oh, they're just part of that Asian. Right, right. They're mm. those type of girls, right? Like yeah. we don't really want to hang out with them. So we only hung out with like our floor and tried to avoid all the Asian student organizations at the like student activities days. <laughs> oh, yeah. But then we ended up becoming, I was the president of Chinese Student Association <laughs> my senior year. And she was the vice president of Asian Caucus. So it's like over time... I think we just gravitated towards people that had similar like experiences, experiences and background yeah. and we're like, oh, you like to drink Hennessy too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, so I mean, I think there isn't really a correct way to be one or the other, but the nice thing is that you have kind of a mixed background to pull from, right? So be like leaning into that and be proud if that's what, that you have like an extra culture to explore. I'm not gonna lie though, I, I get very heated when people are like self-hating Asians. Oh yeah. I get super, ugh, like... I sweat. Like I think, Helen, to your example, like, why do people do that, right? It's because they feel somehow ostracized or that celebrating that part is going to mean a negative experience for them in right. some way. Yeah, and I mean, I was a self-hating agent too my freshman right. year, right? And I think the reason for that is really also because, like, if you think about your parents coming over to America, mm-hmm. right, their whole purpose is to assimilate into this new culture right, so right. that they are not sticking out like a sore thumb. And so they're going to want to put you into those experiences where they're going to try and Americanize you as much right. as they can. The goal so. is to fit in. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I think that might have been my mentality growing up also, even yeah. though no matter what, like, she's an Asian mom <laughs> and I've gone through all the traditions, experiences, yeah, learning the yeah. language and all of that, but... I think there's a level of assimilation into American culture that a lot of us as Asian Americans, first, second, third generation, right. we're still trying to just fit into this world yeah. that we've been born into. Yeah, you know, actually, I can relate to, I think growing up, I definitely felt there was this like focus on trying to fit in. And mm-hmm. then as I got older, I kind of like, I kind of regret not not going to Chinese school and not, I, it's when you get a little bit older and you realize that that the having a, a kind of like an alternative cultural background is a great benefit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess all of that, the kind of summary takeaway is that it's a it's a great blessing and a benefit to have multiple cultures to pull from. And there, there isn't, you don't have to be enough of one or the other. It's whatever you're comfortable with. Just do you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's difficult, but at the same time, you create your own story and someone coming after you, the next generation will see your story and be like, oh, that seems like me and I feel more comfortable living here. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for that question, Mina. All right. So Helen mentioned earlier that she felt like a lack of representation for Asian American women through media. We got a question from Jackie. She said, as an Asian American myself, I never really had people I can, re- I can feel like I can relate to. I used to notice that most Asian women on movies and TV were as American as possible or as Asian as possible. Or I see glamour girls on YouTube channels who rely on fans to survive. 
Well, that's all good and well. I seriously appreciate listening to you all, keeping it very real and down to earth. I look forward to your future podcast. Oh, um, that's so sweet, Jackie. Jackie. <laughs> Honestly, I think the, the real reason why we started this podcast is we felt like our voice in the corporate or I guess, quote unquote, normal Asian American working nine to five jobs, that voice was missing. So, you know, for us, this podcast was our way to represent those women out there and share our stories. So thank you for reaffirming our um, our goal, Jackie, or like our focus. Um, Olivia Duong also had a comment here about how she was born and raised in Michigan, and she moved to the Bay Area and experienced a huge culture shock in terms of Asian community. A lot of people don't even realize that there are Asian people outside of California, <laughs> which is true. And um, I think for us, this is one way to kind of just try and connect with people mm-hmm. and kind of give them, even if you live in the Midwest, here is a platform for us to be able to just talk into these mics and someone from the Midwest can hear it and feel connected with people like us. And funny thing is we feel connected to people who are giving us these comments as well. I never really connect with anyone in the mid I've never been in the Midwest so I never knew that you know there could be a connection there that's so Um, true yeah so it's kind of nice to read these (laughs) thanks Olivia you should start your own podcast too Olivia share with us what it's like uh, being raised in Michigan as an Asian American So those were some really great questions but a little heavier questions let's move on to some fun ones uh mel do you have one that you want to read off all right so one question we got it's from it's joelle joellen um she says describe each other as fruits so what do you think janet is as a fruit well janet's very she's very earthy Mm -hmm. she's very like green and she likes outdoors Oh, she's a coconut. I was just thinking coconut. Dude, she's a coconut. You're saying that with like much affirmation. <laughs> you are a coconut. You're a coconut and that's just what it is. You're so Janet's a coconut. I'm okay that's with that. One. I love coconut water. She's like sweet. <laughs> oh, it's also really like, good for you. Well, yes, that. And also a lot of like hair products and whatnot associate coconut Oh, it's like a natural. Very yeah, natural, yeah. very organic. Yeah. Totally Janet. Wow, you are a coconut. I can't unsee that, that You guys now. carried that metaphor pretty well. That was good. <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we try. If Mel were a fruit, she would be, what do you think, I thought, Janet? Well, I thought maybe like a kiwi, something that's like a little spunky. Perry. Um, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> a little spunky, a little, not tropical, but. Um, Soury, like. <laughs> Excuse me? What, is that? what the fuck, dude? I'm sounding like a rotten fruit now. <laughs> Who would Helen be? I always think of the peach emoji. Because her really ass. Oh, my God. You're really into <laughs> but, fuzzy no, ass. But we're kind of fuzzy ass. <laughs> Mm, I don't know. No, but she's fiery, though. You're a dragon fruit. I'm a dragon fruit? <laughs> Dude, yeah. I think so. You get different layers, but when you open it up, it's like, damn! White on the inside? <laughs> Wait, what color is dragon fruit, actually, on the inside? It's, pink on, it's white on the inside and, like, with seeds. With seeds, yeah. Honestly, I feel like I should be described as a vegetable, not a fruit. Uh, or a <laughs> dumpling. <laughs> Or, you know, that works too. <laughs> Mel, every time she doesn't have makeup on, she's like, Helen, I look like a mandu, <laughs> yeah. which is a dumpling in a Korean. <laughs> or I look like a potato. All of you guys, I look like a potato right now. You do not look like a Like potato. a burnt one. I'm so red right now. <laughs> Just kind of contour, you know. Yeah, we learned that. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we just got one from Butterfly. Can y'all discuss about women's hair loss problem, especially for Asian women due to genetics? And do you mind if your guy is bald? And then she has the uh, sweat drop on the face emoji. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm, hair loss. Hmm. To be honest, I can't really relate to that question because I have too much hair. (laughs) 
<laughs> on my head. No, literally, I'm the type of girl, whenever I wash my hair, you lose a lot of I hair. get, like, yeah, my yeah. drain is, like, clogged. Yeah, every... Actually, it's funny. I have a, um, a group chat with my cousins, my two cousins and my sister, all around the same age. And my cousin just sent me a picture of her hair, the place where she has a part. And she's like, oh, I'm balding in this thin. area. Yeah. What do I do? And so we suggested Rogaine. And I guess there's another suggestion. Let me pull it up. You can find also in some, like, uh, beauty supply stores or, like, grocery stores, like, more natural herbal like just shampoos that kind mm. of i don't know if those actually work yeah i don't know my grandma even though she lost hair she just dye her hair still you know, that's maybe, maybe yeah maybe make sure it looks like there's with more. more color yeah this is so funny i'm just looking at my um <laughs> the oh. picture that my sister sent but she just had a baby so i guess that's common for oh yeah no, your yeah. hair um either you get more hair or you lose hair a lot and it fluctuates but i guess at least uh it, but butterfly know that you're not alone there's a lot of women dealing with these issues yeah that's so funny that you brought it up yeah hair loss at 30 you know one thing i think would be kind of fun though like i would love to try on wigs oh right so it's like that's also an excuse for you to like try different hairstyles without spending a lot of money yeah right so if maybe when i hit that hair loss time i'm gonna try on different wigs or extensions you can oh, yeah but she had maybe a second... that damages your hair more i don't know well she had a second part and do you mind if your guy is bald janet do you mind if your guy is bald I had to ask I, you that. I would prefer She prefers that. hair everywhere <laughs> yeah. so that she can groom it to her liking. Wait, question that. Okay, spin-off question. Would you rather have a guy who is balding but has a like, few strands he wants to keep? Or just, you oh, know what? Just go over. bald. Yeah. No, I'd rather you just go bald. That's true. I've seen some men rock the bald look very well. So I would say, yeah, it's like not a thing that I like look for, but I would... I, if everything else worked well and he rocked the bald look, that could work. So wait, super hairy or super bald? Ooh. Ooh, like a lot of body hair, you mean? Yeah. Actually, I think bald then. Like if the, if the trade-off is like you have hair all over your body and everywhere. Yeah, I'd be or, bald too. Or, yeah, bald. I think I'd rather date someone who's bald and like well-groomed in other places. But what if you can groom the hairiness? It's just too much effort. But then you have to do it over and over. She knows. Yeah. She had to trim a rug. <laughs> God. Well, thank you guys so much for sending in your questions. This is a lot of fun for us to do. We'll definitely have to do more of these. Maybe you can do like a live stream one day. Ooh. Ooh. Be a nice challenge. No editing ability. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> uh, we actually did hit a lot of serious topics today. So we do plan on elaborating more on these topics in our future seasons. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, and keep them coming. It's fun yeah. reading all of your comments and interacting with you guys. It's like, oh, we're building a little community out here yeah. of ABGers and ABBers. Yes. Send us more emails with uh, questions or your thoughts at asianbossgirl at gmail.com. And also subscribe to us on iTunes, ABG Asian Boss Girl. We'll just appear in your feed. Uh, leave us a review, too, if you're enjoying this. Yeah. All right. See you guys on the next episode. Bye. Bye.